listeners for joining our podcast. We've gotten some feedback that we have to keep the episodes coming and we plan to do just that. Let's talk about Rihanna's comeback performance on the Super Bowl stage. Stone, what did you think? By now, we've all rewatched the Super Bowl halftime show. I think Rihanna created a beautiful eye-catching performance. The suspended platforms hovering over the field were just brilliant. TT, I read that she paid out of her pocket for this performance. Yeah, apparently the initial budget Rihanna show for Rihanna show couldn't cover the ambitious vision Rihanna had in store for her fans. Mm-mm. Rihanna pushed ahead and had the production team still make it happen. Riri definitely went out of her way to keep the show black. After all, it's Black History Month, and with so many black men on that field putting in the work, running that ball down the field for our entertainment. She really made sure that her black people were in the spotlight. I saw so many performance on that stage with her. And that red outfit she was wearing was a stunner. And shout out to the black sisters, too, that were on that stage. We just couldn't see them. But listen, I'm sure they were there. And yes, I did watch that Super Bowl. Listen, it was hot to death. And her bodysuit, oversized coat, were a tribute to the late Andre Talley. Andre Leon Talley, that is. Mr. Fashion himself. Tally was an American fashion journalist, stylist, creative director, and editor at large at Vogue magazine. So, some of us may remember Tally as the judge at America's Top Model. And you know what we used to miss. What did we miss, CT? Yeah, we definitely missed that side eye and that shade. Mm-hmm. There was also another showstop performance by Justina Miles, an ASL performer from Philly. She really rocked the house with her true hip-hop interpretation of Rihanna's lyrics. I loved it when she signed and she sort of rocked out to B, better have my money. You know that B is for. Don't act like you forgot. I call the shot, shot, shots. Girl, call the police and get me a bulletproof vest. (laughs) So if we have to give a BCT rating for Rihanna's halftime performance, I'd give it five sips and one more extra because, girl, you better have her money. That's the highest rating we've ever given. Mm -hmm. Rihanna rocked the house. She also gets high marks because she rocked it while pregnant. You go, Riri. Do your thing. On Grammy Sunday, we also watched another episode of HBO's Last of Us. In this episode, Ellie and Joel meet Henry and Sam under not the best of circumstances. Ellie and Joel successfully fled the Kansas City gang and found refuge in an abandoned building. Henry and Sam are brothers fleeing Kathleen's reign as leader of the Fireflies in Kansas City. In the previous episode, we learned that Henry's on the run from Kathleen. Kathleen also seems really hell-bent on finding him as she interrogates and eventually kills the doctor who delivered her. Girl, that was cutthroat. As cutthroat as it comes. Mm-hmm. Kathleen is a ruthless killer who wants revenge. Girl could taste it. When we meet Henry, he's strapped with a gun standing over Joe and Ellie as they sleep. I told you he should have got that ear aid fixed. 
Anyway, Henry isn't a killer. He's just on the run trying to keep his brother alive, Sam. Henry and Sam are important characters in this episode. We see Ellie and Joe are different around Henry and Sam. They're kinder to each other and less stressed out. And for the first time in the series, we see their humanity. We can also see that they have hope and they're not worrying about the virus or imminent death. Sam, our eight-year-old hero, is deaf in the show and in real life. I don't know what it is, but watching Sam bond with Ellie and communicate using ASL was heartwarming. Mm -hmm. For the first time, they could be kids and just let the adults handle the stressful situations. Even with everything going on, it was quiet. It was quiet moments that reassured the audience. We could see the love and the good job Henry has done trying to protect Sam and his innocence. Henry shares his plan to escape Kansas City by traveling through a network of abandoned service tunnels. I have to admit, I was very doubtful of the escape plan would work. You know, because this escape plan, I don't know. <laughs> if you would be able to get out of there, you should have gotten out of there. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it had to have been a while since we saw the infected zombies chase these healthy hosts and seemed like it was, you know, a bit, mm -hmm, it was over. Someone had to die. Somebody had to go, you know. But as we know, showrunners decided their escape through the tunnels would be successful. Yeah, and though they survived the tunnels and made it safely to the other side, danger was not far behind. Kathleen and her military posse found them just as they were close to freedom. Lucky for them, though, Joe was able to take post in the building after subduing the guard that guarded it. When Kathleen's mini armada arrives, gunfire rings out as she calls out to Henry to surrender. And just as Henry reveals himself, hundreds of infected spill out from the fiery hole and we meet our very first bloater. Bloater is like a big, giant infected zombie. It's amazing. Listen, hats off to cast and crew. That swarm of infected coming out of the ground was simply amazing. The cinematography and the close-up shots were very impressive, must say. In the episode recap, the director revealed that they used techniques from the Planet of the Apes filming to make the scene and rampage feel so real. And trust me, popcorn was on the floor. <laughs> I have to agree. That scene really made me feel tense. It was as if all hope was lost. The hope that had been building up all episode just faded away. Ellie... Henry and Sam escaped the chaos and the infected to find themselves safe in a rundown hotel for the night. But you know what happens. Mm-hmm. Just as we see and start to feel that the first and the worst was about to begin, we learn that Sam had been bitten. Shucks. Mm-mm. No way. When we learn this, we know they're all not going to get out of Kansas City alive. At least not Sam. No. Mm-mm. Ellie tries to comfort Sam. She even cuts the palm of her hand and places her hand on Sam's wound. You know, the girl really thought she had some magic. <laughs> However, she tells Sam her blood is medicine. I believed it, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And agrees to stay up with him until the morning. Listen, Ellie wakes up the next morning to see Sam quietly staring out the window. When she taps his shoulder, Sam lashes out at her because he's infected. He can't control himself. Mm -mm. They move and rustle into the room where Joel and Henry are, and Henry, not realizing what he's done, 
reaches for his gun and kills Sam in the moment. Yeah. Soon after, he apologetically asks, what have I done? Before Joel, Joel and Ellie can get to Henry, he shoots himself in the head. I tell you, that was a powerful scene. That man only lived for Sam. And to see that happen, that was rough. The scene was really emotional. I mean, we meet the two first black hero characters in the series, and they were gone just like that. Yeah. We had one episode, only one episode, to feel a deep connection with these two young black men. Sam's character was my favorite. Mine too. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he was young and resilient. Rest in peace, Sam. Rest in peace. Well, it's time for a Black Coffee Time rating for this episode. What do you give it, Stone? I give it five sips. Though this episode made many of us sad because we lost two talented brothers, the episode had a lot of heart, and we felt the human connection. This week, listeners, we actually have another Last of Us episode to review with you. Yay! The headline is, Joel reunites with Tommy, his long-lost brother. I find that he's salty, Joel, that is, the whole episode. Instead of being happy for his brother and his new life, Joel seems like he's unhappy that Tommy is actually safe. I'm telling you, this brother brought a lot of shade. A lot of shade. (laughs) I thought the same thing, but I think I understand why Joel feels this way. Remember, Joel came there to save Tommy. Joel has always described his little brother as following him and foolishly joined the Fireflies and joined their cause. When Joel saw Tommy living peacefully in a community that seemed like a commune, he is skeptical of it, just like Joel. Tommy is seen as a leader within the community, and Joel isn't buying it. He literally calls their way of life communism. I mean, come on, Joel. Listen, yeah, I see what you're saying, Stone. It's clear Joel had a hard and rough life over the last 20 years. So it's hard for him to believe that humans are anything other than violent and selfish. His life in Boston was rough. We've been seeing it. Having Tess as a companion helped a little, but losing her just made Joel feel like he had to fight even harder. I could see that. Joel promised Tess that he would get Ellie to the Fireflies so that their doctor could make a cure. In this episode, we can see that Joel feels the weight of this promise. He's losing his nerve and even tries to give his burden to his brother, Tommy. I don't know. When the episode goes in this direction, I started to lose hope, too. Mm -hmm. Joel has been our hero and a good one at that. He has. I wanted to give Joel some tough love and remind him what there is to live for. That sounds tough. But look at this, CT. You're just being too nice. What? Yep. I think everyone in the audience wanted to smack Joel for trying (laughs) to pawn Ellie off on his brother. Come on, man. Joel was so sulky this whole entire episode. Listen to the facts. What are the facts? Let me break it down for you right now. Joel finds Tommy after his harrowing experience on the road with Ellie. Joel is unhappy. Joel sees Tommy living and making a life for himself. Joel is unhappy. He meets Maria, Tommy's new African-American beauty bride, played by Rotina Wesley. Joel is unhappy. Mm-hmm. Joel learns he's going to become an uncle. And what is Joel? Unhappy, unfortunately. Sulky, boy. <laughs> sulky, sulky. It's like the only thing that will make Joel happy is if he is in constant peril. Okay, so I hear you. Luckily for us, though, 
Joel has a change of heart and decides to continue on with Ellie to find the fireflies at the university. After she smacked him up. <laughs> she did. The scene was a touching one. I almost saw a tear well up in Joel's eyes. Did you see that too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I don't know. Oh. I wasn't buying it. He needed to redeem himself. But listen, I didn't see that, but I can see how you might have sought that. Because right now, the showrunners definitely wanted to create a tearjerker moment. So, after we wiped our tears, oh, correction, after you wiped your tears. Oh, really? We are taking an empty university campus into account. Right now, Joe and Ellie find themselves back on the road again. And as they arrive to that empty university campus, all signs of fireflies being there are gone. All that was left was an abandoned building and lab rat baboons all over the place. Yeah, those baboons were running wild. Mm -hmm. So just as Ellie start to retreat, some raiders with weapons come on the scene. Ellie and Joel almost escape on their horse when one of the raiders attacks and stabs Joel. Suffice to say, Ellie and Joel make it out. Though they escape the raiders, Joel is badly hurt. Yeah. When we last see Joel and Ellie... Joel collapses near a railroad, and Ellie's left to figure things out on her own. Yeah, she's Poor alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things definitely look grim. They aren't near anything that resembles a hospital, a CVS, anything that resembles <laughs> no medicine. No pharmacy in sight. Mm-mm. <laughs> so, Stone, what rating do we give this episode and Joel's overall salty attitude oh man 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 joel you gotta fix it up brother because you know this episode unfortunately i ain't got a lot left in my coffee cup i'm about to give joel and ellie on this one 3.5 sips that's it no more not even cream no sugar because this one with the sulkiness it had to go so i was happy to see the commune and people actually living their lives yeah joel was just i don't know his attitude just didn't do it for me I would definitely give Joe four if he just smiled, you know, or just gave his brother like a real hug that showed that he really missed him. So let's pivot. We gave the new Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania movie a watch. It was entertaining, but not the best I've ever seen. Honestly, I think this is one of the weakest Marvel movie franchises. We watched it because there's been such a superhero movie drought since Wakanda Forever was released. You know, that was a tongue twister right there. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Listen, Ant-Man, I love Ant-Man. But this one here, they got a free paycheck. I'm sorry to say. This was tough to watch. If it wasn't for Jonathan Majors, mm -mm, snooze button. Good night, Irene. Couldn't really stay up for this one. Major played the villain Kang, the Conqueror. And let me tell you, brother did his thing. He was the most interesting character of the quantum realm. Yeah, and Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, he was super familiar to us. He's neither funny nor he's a good serious actor. Mm-mm. And Evangeline Lilly is as vanilla as they come. I mean, I just saw her character as sulky the whole film. She really has no edge. Now, if you want a real curmudgeon, a grumpy old man character, you watch Michael Douglas. Yes. He's got that role in the bag. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed his snide remarks and his quips. Listen, Michael Douglas is an institution. That man knows what he's doing. He looks into the camera and he makes you believe. We also reunite with the mom, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle. Did a great job, Michelle. You know you, girl. You know you. 
In the previous film, Michael Douglas rescued her from the quantum realm after being stranded there for 30 years. 30. Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, by the way, is aging gracefully. I really like her silver look on her hair. She really knows what she's doing. That stylist, listen, <laughs> five sips, stylist, five <laughs> sips. So is it safe to say that the only standout performance was Jonathan Majors? Did he body the villain role? Yes, he did. I like the way that they tied his character to the Loki series. I never really knew his what his role really was. When Kang, or he who shall not be named, was introduced, it was just a mysterious and creepy character. In Quantumania, you could see him in action as he tampered with the timeline. For sure. Jonathan Majors did his thing. Speaking of did that thing, did you see Ariana DeBose rap at the BAFSA? Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you, there are no words. Her corny rap went viral, people. Oh, was it corny. I did catch that clip. What was she thinking? I don't know. I mean, just looking at the faces in the crowd, it said a lot. I actually think that she believes that Lin-Manuel Miranda has a pulse on good rap. She's saying, Angela Bassett did the thing. Viola, Viola Davis was my woman, King. Blanchett Kate, you're a genius. Jamie Lee, you're all of us. Listen, girl, go back and watch that video, please, because you shouldn't do that again. So now I'm going to get us back on track, back to our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania review. What are we giving it i'm being generous here Uh oh i give it two and a half sips mm. it wasn't that good mm-hmm. and i really want the disney team to fix this disney is really going left with the marvel franchises they are we know we're not going to see any stan lee cameos in the future nope but all this on-screen talent could do a better job in the marvel cinematic universe they can well that's a wrap Another episode of Black Coffee Time. See See you you all all next next time. time.